and welcome to the personal mind palace that we call Gas Giants. Tom, is the water warm enough? Sure, yeah. Then let's go crazy, because tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be examining Prince's Purple Rain and Madhu Mokdor's Purple Rain. Yeah, one being a remake sort of of the other. The movie that Emdu Mokdor made, which is a kind of a remake of uh, of Purple Rain, Mm -hmm. being an excuse to approach his music. Um, yeah. And then when we thought about that, I said, well, why not? We probably should go and have another look at Purple Rain so we can include that exactly. in the Exactly. So, uh, when did you first, uh, well, I mean, not really when did you first hear Prince, but when did you first hear something by Prince that you liked, Tom? Oh, that is an embarrassing story that I'm going to have to be truthful about. Um, It was actually shortly after he died. You see, Prince was always one of those mega pop hit type people that from the 80s that because he was one of those, I assumed I didn't need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Um, I I thought about this earlier while I was walking the dogs that seriously, I I don't need to feel so bad about this. I've listened to a lot of records in my time. I've listened. I've got thousands of CDs and hundreds of LPs and a gazillion um, audio files. I've listened to a whole shit ton of stuff at the radio station and played it on the radio. I know quite a lot of music. Do I have to know Prince as well? No, I don't. Not really. But when he died, um, uh, Matt Taibbi, who's a big fan and who I who I've been reading and subscribing to on Substack for all these years, uh, wrote an obit, and he centered his obit around the 2007 Super Bowl halftime show, oh, talking yes. about how that was uh, was such an impressive performance uh, yes. and what it meant personally to him. Um, and so I went and found it. Uh, that took some illegal downloading to get it, but I have to admit that's damned impressive. Yeah. Uh, what a performance. <laughs> and 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 you know, proper band playing, proper yeah. stage uh stage effects, dancing, um, you know, the pyrotechnics, the lights, the whole the, but and a really excellent guitar sound that sounds like a, a real guitar played through a real cabinet. <laughs> Princess kept a view While the women came and went Barefoot servants too Then you've got the the whole situation of that on the middle on the stage in the middle of the football field where the fans are allowed to approach. So that mm-hmm. makes that all uh, so exciting and then there's the the marching band that's just amazing. A whole marching band with these guys with these like 10 foot bass drums trying to dance with them. (laughs) Guys with sousaphones dancing with luminous stripes Mm -hmm. on their uniforms. But yeah, and and the whole thing just sounds fantastic. Um, 12 minute long and he does a couple of medleys in there and gets through, you know, the the famous songs and I'm just watching that. And so that w- that was that was it really, you know. From and before that, I'd thought, you know, he's this guy that does these pop songs that, that mm-hmm. top the charts from time to time, and 
you know. It's like yeah. it, it affected me about as much as Madonna's music just kind of floated yeah. by, and I didn't have to pay attention. Well, actually, he was uh, he was one of the few uh, performers, really, really big, popular performers from this time that I I followed yeah. um, all the way through that. I mean, um, when Purple Rain, which I suppose was the first time that we in Britain really became terribly aware of him. Yeah. Uh, when Purple Rain came out, I, I took a look at this film, which seemed to be about girls and motorcycles and uh, big hair and guitar solos, and decided that what I was seeing was hair metal, which, um, <laughs> which you know. Which is not quite correct, no. <laughs> no, no, but it, it was a thing in the 80s. There was kids, a thing called and, hair metal, yes. yes. <laughs> and it was to be avoided. <laughs> well, it was very funny. It was just an L.A. scene there where the kids would dress up yeah, and have fun. But um, but then, actually, the first thing, I must have been at school even when, oh, God, I can't remember when, when Under a Cherry Moon came out, but the, but the, the single Girls and Boys came out. Mm. And uh, there was a... Uh, there's this wonderful video which accompanied it, which involved him walking... Talking into this nightclub with the rest of his band, and a, a, a very uh, well-dressed couple with a very good-looking girl comes towards him, going out of the club, and he just snatches the fur coat off the, off the shoulders of the girl and puts it over the shoulders of his sax player, <laughs> and they go into this into this great number, which has this wonderful backing track to it with with finger symbols and stuff. It's it's very very subtle. And um, and a great sax solo as well, yeah. and I th I was like, oh wait a minute, wait a minute, there's something more going on here. So uh, other albums followed. I I mean, I suppose I was vaguely aware of Sign of the Times when it came out. I remember it coming out as a as a film, and I remember watching that one night on Channel 4 quite late. And, uh, of course, when Love Sexy came out, that was a, that was a huge album. Yeah. That was, that was really good. And then, later on, when I was in Jesus Christ Superstar, just before I went out to play the show one night... Because what happens when you're on tour is you check into a hotel room and you turn the TV on and watch MTV, or at least you did back then. Okay. You know, you'd automatically put the TV onto MTV just so that you had noise going on in the background. Mm -hmm. And all of us did that at exactly the same time that the video for Sexy Motherfucker came on, shown on MTV for the first time. Okay. And uh, that night when i went into the pit all of these guys who uh played in the band were absolutely wound up about this track because a lot of them played in r&b reviews and and stuff like that in when they weren't doing shows and they were like wow did you see that man did you see that it's got this great james brown bass line and there's the horns and everything and and they were they thought it was the is the best thing ever. And it is a fantastic track and I do really love it. Mm. So yeah, uh I was uh, I was on board 
with Prince from, I suppose, quite early on. But um, I remember watching Purple Rain for the first time on television. Being how old then? Now, I remember James and I sitting down and watching it. So I maybe I might have been 20. 84? Yeah. Okay. I might have been, yeah, I might have, might have not quite nineteen, twenty something. Mm. I, well, by the time it came out on TV, it was a couple of years later. It might have been around eighty-five or something. Yeah, I actually sat down and watched it, and I remember thinking, "This is just like an Elvis movie." Yeah, honestly, that's an interesting thought because I've forgotten all the Elvis movies. That that could explain it. Yeah, because I've tried to, yeah. I've tried to sort of pin it down in terms of what sort of a form it is and i couldn't really come up with anything somebody i you know i read somebody somewhere that somebody had described it as a rock opera and i said nah it's not a rock opera no it's not that no um it's yeah i mean the and it's not quite like a, a series of stitched together music videos either no because the the performances are all stage performances aren't they mm-hmm. all the yeah music bits. um of course, First Avenue is a proper club in yeah. Minneapolis. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that is a that is a, a real proper location. You're yeah. actually seeing a band on a real stage. Yeah. I mean, that's the strength of the film, I think, uh, yeah. is that these are all really excellent performances and very well recorded and very well played. Yeah. Very tight. Yeah, yeah. And they, look, the- they look great, sound great. No, I, I had to have to say in, in relation to this, uh, I, I watched some of this with Lottie, mm-hmm. who um, who found it very funny that every time there's a shot of the crowd, there's somebody walking through holding a tray mm-hmm. above it, yes. everybody's head. Yes. <laughs> so it's like I'm sure if you if you sat and watched all the credits at the end, there'd be a, a, a credit for tray gaffer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I suppose so, that was possible, though, because they probably had seating down the front, didn't they? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the, the film does definitely benefit from it being a real location. So it was very interesting that I, because I, I listened to uh, to uh, a podcast as a part of the research for this, uh, for this discussion, um, a black movie podcast. Yeah. And uh, they made the point that this was uh, the first time that a film of these dimensions that was an actual feature, not a, a documentary or anything yeah. like that, was made about a black performer. Yeah, and, and almost everybody featuring in it is black too. Yeah. It's very unusual. Yeah, big yeah. movie like that. Yeah. That was the top movie in the US uh, when it was at its peak. You know, it was it was a number one Yes, hit it was. as a film, um, yeah, and you know that everybody in it uh, is yeah. at least off white. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably black, you know. Uh, so should we take a? Should we bother taking a stab at the, <laughs> of the plot? If you can be Which, very, very quick, uh, what plot yeah. is there? I, I don't know. There's uh, yes. Go on. I want to hear what you can, how how you well, can explain I'm, the plot I, of, of Purple Rain. I must confess, I'm extremely jealous of uh, there's a, there's a um, there's a lady who has a channel on YouTube called When Gen X Rules the Multiplex, mm-hmm. who I'm extremely jealous of because she just looks into the camera and managed to summarize a, the plot of anything without blinking. 
And it's something I have a great difficulty doing. <laughs> yes, I think our audience uh, knows about that already. Mm, yeah. Yes. But we can try. I'm not going to try it. Come on, it's daft. I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah, a very it well-known movie. Yeah. And it doesn't have much of a plot. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Interestingly, what hasn't really worn well at all, and we need to address is the treatment of women mm -hmm. because there's quite a lot of domestic violence yeah. in this film yeah and it's uh it's it's was uh, also I, I would kind of like people like the younger audience that's maybe coming to see this film at the first time i would not like them to think that that is just how things were in the 80s because they weren't mm -hmm. that was not regarded as okay then either and no. when I saw it on TV, there was a, a discussion, a studio discussion before the film was shown, talking about all of these issues. Um, why do you think it hasn't worn well? Why do you say that? Well, because um, I don't think, uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's this, uh, there, there is all this violence that goes on in the Well, in the look, movie. I mean, uh, Prince's um, father, the kid's father, is mm -hmm. an alcoholic wife-beater. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, and then Prince I mean, it's himself, not, it's not, the kid, yeah. perpetrates violence against his, his girlfriend yeah. a couple of times in the movie, yeah. and then realizes... That um, oh yeah, I'm just being like my like my dad, and I've got to break this cycle. But it, we don't actually see him going off and getting any counselling for it. Well, no, I have to get counselling. Yeah, well, you kind of should, I think, if you were if you were that far along. Yeah. I mean, one of the uh, one of the other reviewers, uh, and I'm sorry to steal this line, but I'm going to because it's a great line. Said that a real happy end for this movie would be if Wendy and Lisa took Apollonia out for 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 nachos and margaritas and explained to her that yes, the kid is a genius, but probably not great boyfriend material. Mm. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, the but it, it is sort of interesting. I mean, I guess the most apart from just enjoying the music, the the most interesting aspect of the drama. Uh, is how it how present Prince presents the kid as mm. a conceited twat, and yeah. that's it, it, that's a sort of like an interesting little mindfuck. Um, because mm. on the one hand, you could sort of admire that um, as a you know a, 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 a sort of an attempt to be honest about how uh, an ego that big can be a problem to live with yeah. um and then so i sort of realized well then it's how honest is that you know if some if if Ooh. you're if you're trying to make the interesting part about the movie the fact that you're making a movie about yourself and you're a conceited asshole mm. i don't know it, it got it got a bit confusing when i started yeah. to think about it well, too much uh, so I saw, there's an interview with the with the revolution, which is up on the Substack page, uh, where they say that the whole premise of the of the movie is that there's this tune which Wendy and Lisa are trying to get the kids to listen to, yeah. and he refuses point blank to have anything to do with it. 
And then in the end, he actually does, and he turns it into this into this fantastic song. Uh, but um, they say that that is completely the opposite of what life in the revolution was like, because he was he was very very open to other people's ideas. Yeah. And uh, you know, later on, the next the next movie and the next album that he makes is is Parade, and that's got Kiss on it which he was a song that he sort of sketched out in a couple of minutes for uh, for a couple of other guys, and they they put a, 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 a good bass line to it and, uh, and some nice production and came back to him with a demo, and he was like, oh, no, you're not having this anymore. This is mine now, <laughs> and turned it into a, into a huge hit. <laughs> On the other hand, he's he's given songs to to a whole bunch of people, hasn't he? Yes, yes, he 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 really did. He uh, he wrote songs for all kinds of people. We've we've talked about how it was in some ways groundbreaking, but it it is it is just a kind of blockbuster movie. It, I mean, it's sort of entertaining. Uh, it's somewhere between MTV and mm-hmm. and a movie. Uh, you know the I, I I don't probably the you're right thinking to to be thinking back to the fifties and sixties um, yeah. because we did have movies um, made by rock groups back then that were mm-hmm. mostly a vehicle for presenting the music of the band mm-hmm. uh, just a different way of you know presenting it to an audience um, mm-hmm. think about the Beatles for example yeah. They they made some bad movies, but they also made Yellow Submarine, which I enjoy very much. Yeah, um, and uh, that's you know that's just a way of uh, an, another way of selling music to an audience. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but of course that was that was happening in Britain, mm-hmm. and um, I think when Hollywood was faced with the with the uh, possibility of of making a movie like this, uh, they reached back into their old playbook. And came up with actually probably something like Jailhouse Rock. Yeah. <laughs> so, so is this? Yeah, it is more like a musical than a rock opera, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, suddenly, you made me think of Crybaby. Um, ah, <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jailhouse. Uh, that's got a Jailhouse. A couple of Jailhouse songs in that, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, was Hollywood actually involved in this production? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very much. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there were there were lots of um, I think there were lots of first timers involved, but um, it's I mean it it, it is interesting though um, because Prince at the time was kind of involved in a in this huge battle royal for top place with Michael Jackson. Yeah, a, a year before Michael Jackson had brought out the Thriller video. Right. And I don't know if you if you you probably weren't paying attention to that, but uh, but do you remember that coming out on oh, yeah. TV? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Thriller, Thriller. I remember the the music video for it being that that sets a new bar in mm-hmm. um, in in quality video production for me. And it came with a warning. It was only shown after midnight or something like that. Very, very late on British yeah. TV. I remember it was it was influenced by uh, a movie that was very popular. It was called an American Mer- Werewolf in London. Werewolf in London. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 
which had some good uh, had good some some good special effects and makeup effects. Yeah. So you see, that's that's a fourteen minute video as yeah. well. Because yeah. there's this whole story. So it's it was at the time groundbreaking from that point of view. Yeah. That's pretty long. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, and then so. Um, Prince uh, decides to go one bigger and come out with an entire movie, which also has very long extended passages of music. It certainly does. Yes. Yeah. You get, uh, you get much more than, than a singles worth. Yeah. Yeah. And you get all those enormous guitar solos. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, the, the, the first, the first single of the, which came out before the movie came out, was uh, when doves cry, uh-huh. which is very. I remember hearing it and thinking, "What?" <laughs> you know? uh, I was kind of distracted by the fact that it came with a video with that purple motorcycle in it, but um, I couldn't really work it out. And the uh, well, can you remind us what it sounds like? Can you sing a bit? Oh God. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm. <laughs> you can put in a clip of it when you're doing the editing. Well, I don't know or what you can you can what you're talking about. So uh, you can learn it, <laughs> mm. play it on the guitar. <laughs> Yeah, this is, I remember, I think I saw that video, It Rings a Bell, and uh-huh. I remember going like, this is, so this is print, this is what people are so excited about. Prince yeah. About. Uh, it's just pop, it's 80s pop music. What's yeah. the big deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. I, I absolutely didn't get it. And apart from the fact that it contains the wonderful line, Animals strike curious poses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Squirrels doing this. And stuff, you know? <laughs> yes, I, I could think of other animals, but all right, fine. I think of squirrels. So, yeah, and of course, uh, it's worth mentioning as well that this movie came out uh, in the same year as Beverly Hills Cop. God Lord. Is, yeah. yeah. And this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Why not? That's a pretty good year for movies, isn't it? <laughs> uh, if you like Beverly Hills Cop. But well, yeah. that was that was something that was also something very different at the time. To, to actually give that much uh, a whole feature to a black comedian and uh, and have it just uh, just as a normal multiplex style movie mm-hmm. with a with a story going through it. I, I think it's very funny actually in parts of Beverly Hills Cop and certainly I thought it was very funny at the time and of course Spinal Tap we don't even really need to discuss that's just a masterpiece <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's um it sort of like set a bar so high that you just, what are you going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> so, if we've talked about this movie long enough, maybe we should move it. Uh, what is it? Madhu Mokhtar film is from 2015, I believe. Yeah. 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 So, <sighs> curious story there. Um, I mean, 
I didn't actually, I haven't seen the uh, the movie until we decided we we're going to do it for this episode or oh. decided we wanted to try. Uh, and then I realized it's actually quite hard to see. Ah. Uh, I asked for I, I went to Sahel Sound and asked for for help in you know, how, mm-hmm. you know, where do you get it? Because it looks like it'll cost me like 50 bucks on eBay to get a DVD or something. And that seemed wow. like a lot. So the director of the movie, what's his name? Uh, hold on, I've got it here. Uh, Christopher Kirkley. Yeah, Christopher Kirkley emailed me back himself saying, here's a screener for you. So he gave wow. us a video, uh, a vi- the, the Vimeo uh, password to, to be able to watch it, which is great. Thanks to uh, yeah. well, Christopher absolutely. for that. Thank oh, you so much. I enjoyed it very much. Yes, I did indeed. I really did. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. What do you think of the music? I love it. Isn't it something? Yeah. yeah, it really is. So to those who don't know who Mdu Mokhtar is, well, he lives now. He's based in Niger, but I, I'm not sure exactly where he came from. No, it was northern Niger from mining town. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. He moved around a bit, I guess, following work, but became absolutely fascinated by guitar, electric guitar, mm-hmm. uh, apparently watching YouTube videos of things like Hendrix and, and mm-hmm. uh, EVH, or at least so I read somewhere. And mm-hmm. um, but there's there are also the traditions there, um, you know, poet uh, traveling poet uh, traditions among the, the Tuaregs. So so a, a little bit more. He's from uh, the Tuaregs who inhabit the uh, Sahara there, um, and also mm-hmm. on south to the Sahel. Mm-hmm. They've got their own ancient. Or well, they've got their own uh, song and um, Berber culture mm-hmm. that's gone that goes back a long way. Mm. But they've also got the modern electric guitar stylings of yeah. Western Africa uh, to lean on, uh, yeah. which have been so influential, obviously, in uh, in Western music as well, in, um, uh, especially yeah. the Malian greats. But you know, he came up with a well. He was so into it that he uh, he built his own guitar. Uh, to get mm-hmm. started with, uh, I'm not sure how well that worked. Probably not very. But you know, if mm-hmm. it's the right shape and it's got strings on it, at least it gets you to practice your uh, mm-hmm. your various techniques. Obviously, this this guy was this kid, this guy, whatever, uh, was was very much motivated by music and managed it about the age of 24, I think, in 2004, uh, mm-hmm. recorded an album in Nigeria. Um, at a uh, studio, actually, I don't know the studio, but uh, anyway, they the the particular studio as I read it was mm-hmm. they had certain equipment uh, that was uh, that they were pretty keen on using at that time, including a vocal auto tuner, which gets prominently used on this album. It's called Anar, mm-hmm. the name of the album, and, and it uses drum machines. And mm-hmm. uh, and electronic keyboards, so the sound of this album is very very different from the recent releases, mm. uh, which sound like a they sound like a you know a 
a Western rock group, uh, mm-hmm. guitar, guitar, bass, drums, yeah. except played in a very, very particular way that makes it a very yeah. unique sound. But so those sound a lot differently. Now, um, the, the way music was, maybe it still is, but at that time music was yeah. shared um, uh-huh. via cell phones. So you could, if you had some, an MP3 file on your phone, then you can you can share that with uh, with somebody just over the Bluetooth. So just, mm-hmm. pa- just passing from one person to the next, and so this establishes a sort of a an ad hoc mobile network throughout the Sahara for yeah. music file sharing. And a, a guy, in, I think it was in Seattle, was it? Who runs this? Yeah. Christopher Gerkley, actually. In his yes. his uh, he was running a blog called Sahel Sound, mm-hmm. and uh, he got. He was interested in this stuff and made a collection of... Of the most popular things that have been passed around. I guess yeah. it's pop, pop, the most popular and also his 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 selection. And uh, music from Saharan Cell Phones, Volume 1 and Volume 2, and published them himself uh, on the Sahel Sound label. Mm. Uh, so this actually got some traction in... Uh, in, you know, in, in, in American audiences, uh, not mm. big, but you know, I mean, the the yeah. name started to get known, and this was sufficient to get his career going. So he approached Ndul Mokhtar and <laughs> just tried to tell Phil there's a comedic story and uh, about how uh, Amdu didn't, you know, just hung up on him. This is this is my this is my cousin playing a joke on me, right? Yeah, <laughs> but no, it was real, and um, so they managed to get get things organized and then one of the um uh they got so sahel sound actually released the first album they released was the next album that was recorded uh afilan which is really good so this is the one mm-hmm. where you can see i'm wearing a green uh shirt and it's got the guitar neck really up close in the camera so it's, it's a fantastic mm-hmm. photo on the cover i don't know if you've seen that one um and it's a really good album so that's got his guitar style much more prominently featured on it than the first album. The first album has got this weird sort of electronic sort of sound, sounding like really old electronics, because that's what was available at the time. Yeah. And then the next thing it seems that they did was making this movie, which I mm. guess must have started as a, as a bit of a joke. Um, but yeah. the result of it is that it's the first movie to be made in the Tuareg's own language, uh, uh-huh. which I'm not going to try to pronounce the name of their pronounce. language. Although, yeah, it's it's an interesting language, is it, isn't it? Because it has uh, quite a, you know, odd words of French in there yeah. as well. I mean, the, I think the colonial background. The French, uh, it's, it's still a pro-French, um, it's still a pro-French government, the, you know, the, the central government in, in and so, yes, and French, I presumably, has been the official language uh, of an awful mm. lot of stuff. So, yeah, they're using quite a lot of French and a mixture uh, of the French and the Tuareg. Yeah. But the Tuareg language, uh, you get to see the alphabet a little bit in the, in the movie, uh, mm. in the opening titles, and then in a songbook. Uh, mm. that's used in the movie. And yeah, that doesn't look at all like French. Oh, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's some truly foreign looking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and, and he's just been building an audience. And I think I'm, I'm not sure exactly. It was like 2017 or 18. I don't know when he first started touring in, in the U S but he got the, he picked up this bass player who's from, uh, from America, from Brooklyn. Uh, uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. And in 2019, this isn't the next album they recorded, but uh, pr- made this album called Ilana, uh, The Creator, uh-huh. which was a, I think was recorded in the USA and was, you know, they took their time on it. They gave it a whole week of recording time. And that's been, that's been, I guess, the the real launch of their success in the yeah. West. And that's the album that I got to know his music from in mm. the first year of our plague to in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and it provided tremendous comfort for me. Because wow. I just love that music so much. I can listen to it all yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, it's quite, I, I, it's quite possible because obviously he was sort of uh, picking up uh, Western music and watching stuff on YouTube and all yeah. the rest of it. It's quite possible that he at some stage saw Purple Rain. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, so, or it might be the sort of thing that plays in cinemas in in a, in a heavily edited version. I would imagine. Um, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the there's there is the um the religious aspect going on here i mean what do i yeah. mean he came from a uh, a fairly pious family i believe yeah and actually the, the one of the one of the dimensions of the story is that his father uh disapproves of uh him trying to be a guitarist and tries to stop him yeah uh his father in 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 tremendous wisdom um says that all guitarists are alcoholics and drug addicts which mm. is not far from the truth um, and probably wise advice, you know, uh, but he, pro- <laughs> uh, but you know, this is the, this is the, uh, the version in this movie of, of, of the alcoholic wife beating, uh, father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, who, who, uh, and the father ends up, uh, burning his guitar. You come home one day and he's out there in the yard, uh, with yeah. a fire going and here's bits of a guitar. It's kind of shocking when you first real see the, yeah. see the guitar in the fire. I'm like, don't do that to us, a guitar. But, but yes, they're made of wood, so they do burn. Yeah. Yeah. Madhu's reaction to that is, uh, is <laughs> in the subtitles. Is, is, <laughs> That's you are normal. being unreasonable. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know the, the, the acting, the, the acting in this movie is not exactly professional. Is it? <laughs> Well, uh, no, but I'd like to talk actually about a lot of the similarities between the two movies. Yeah. Well, I, I, the uh, way the way I I get it is that this is kind of a bit of a joke. Um, mm, it's a fun. It's a it, it it's a it's done as a, as a, as a very friendly bit of fun. Mm. Uh, but also uh, a sort it's of a, affectionate it, parody, should we say? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's also a you know convenient vehicle for for showing. You know, showing mm. Andrew Mokhtar's uh, life and and his, and his art. Mm. You know, showcasing the band, so that's nice. That's a nice trick too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fact that they made it with, you know, local people. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's you know. That, so we're you know you're actually doing a little bit of culture. Yeah. Culture ambassadorship well, as well. It's great. Which uh, which which happens in in the original Purple Rain as that's well. True, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the the band The Time, which uh, which Prince had put together from with with uh, one of his old school friends. They were they were actually a really good band. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Prince used to used to go on ro- on the road with them and they would open for for the revolution. And I saw an interview somewhere which said that with members of the revolution saying, you know, some nights 
they would, you know, you'd go out on stage and try, you'd have to struggle to follow them. <laughs> they were so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people who Prince came up with in that movie, uh, which is, which is kind of nice as well. Um, I mean, the uh, the Apollonia role had originally been reserved for his current girlfriend, who he then split up with, mm. and uh, and went off to do her own thing, and so that's why they had to get Apollonia in at the last minute. But um, yeah, in in a way, both movies are a way of showcasing music. Yes, uh, very clearly. Yes. And of course, remember the you know Prince and the Revolution actually had acting and dancing lessons for a full six months before the movie. Right. Yeah. So I, they they turned themselves into into actors yeah. in a very short space of time. Yeah. Yeah. The I, I honestly the the um, the the acting doesn't come across very natural in. Um, so let's get let's see if I can pronounce the name of this movie. All right. Akunak Teladat Taha Tazughari. No. Uh, Tazughai, isn't it? Yes, Tazughai. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, which, because the 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 Tuareg language has no word for purple, so it's rain the color of blue with a little red in it. <laughs> oh, so, they did that. So, so the title itself is a joke, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that should give you the, the clue. Yeah. Um, mention and, also should be made of the purple motorcycle. Which yes, is, is, yeah. Which look, they they really made, done 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 up to make it look uh, uh, sort of corresponding, but very different, of course. You know. I yeah. Mean, the the other thing that the movie presents probably more so than the original. Is is it's presenting Agadez and mm. in, and the countryside around it, and and you know the markets, the life there. It's yeah. it's a nice, it's a little bit of a, almost ethnography, but not quite. Yeah, you know? because uh, in the original uh, pur uh, Purple Rain, there's this uh, moment when Apollonia um, arrives on screen for the first time and announces that she's left New Orleans to come to Minneapolis to make her music career. At which mm. point, I mean, about half a dozen people in the audience must have just about spat their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you've done what? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of Minneapolis. As, exactly. No. Um, <laughs> but yes, the same thing. You know, like, yes, I've arrived, I've arrived in, uh, in Agadez to, uh, to make my musical career. Uh, actually, mm. that's not the really case. The family moved there to work, according to yeah. what the father says. But yes, it turns out that Agadez is a sort of like a, a place where guitarists are king. Mm. Uh, and they've got, a, they've got the, the, the dueling guitarists and uh, is, is, is definitely a part of their culture there. And in fact, uh, it, in the movie, it says that, um, sorry, Lucy's making these lovely noises. I'll take a, take a moment there to get some licks on my hand. Here we go. Um, so in the movie, the, the dialogue says that the, uh, the musicians, you know, there's a good music scene, but the musicians don't get paid well enough. Uh -huh. Um, 
Whereas elsewhere, I read that Emdo Mokhtar has said that actually, if you're good, it's a, uh, you know, it's like being a good mm. footballer. You can actually get, uh, you can get a, you know, a decent, <laughs> decent income that way. So no. I don't, so I don't, I don't know what the real status there is. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that particular line um, comes in front of uh, actually one of my favorite scenes in the, in the movie. Yeah, well, uh, which is a wonderful sort of thing where they're restringing this guitar for yeah. left hand intercut with the with the preparing of tea. Yes, and both, of, both actions fire. being wonderfully meditative and and exact, and it's so wonderfully shot. Yeah, or edited. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, edited and rather. The, yes. And and the music there is really beautiful. They've got this uh, this yeah. simple acoustic thing. And I've I've listened to that song uh, often uh, prior to watching the film, but then the film's got subtitles with the lyrics, and I'm going, that's that's lyrics mm. that wouldn't necessarily go over so well here these days. Uh, what is it? it says. Um, uh, yeah, all... women, it is not enough to be beautiful. You must also have a good heart. Yes, uh, but this is addressed only to the beautiful ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe... All single ladies. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe... <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's, it's sort of weird. I mean, but that, that sort of goes to one of the, one of the other themes uh, uh, of mm. the movie, is that um, we've got... We've got these these music situations going on uh, where uh, the the young people are behaving in very decorous ways. Mm. I mean, just um, the dancing they do is is uh, yeah. yeah could definitely be you know you 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 know I, it, you could fe you feel like there's a chaperone keeping an eye on things, making yeah. sure that it doesn't get get anything beyond what would be in a safe family movie from America in the nineteen fifties. Yeah. Um, yeah, and but um, also actually, we have to we have to talk about uh, because I, I I talked about the sort of uh, you know the treatment of women in the Prince film, but uh, but the the version of Apollonia in the in mm -hmm. the Mokdar film uh, is called uh, Reicha, mm -hmm. and um, and she is 
actually, uh, I feel like she's, uh, well, she's certainly not a victim. She's a lot stronger and a lot more sort of opinionated and um, uh, actually treated a lot better. Yeah, she's, she's, she's got, she's, uh, she's playful. Um, yeah. Uh, so in the first scene where they meet, uh, you know, there, uh, there's obviously some interest in mm. uh, going on there. So it's in a shop, and they're going like, "What about that necklace?" There, I asked the price of it. But you can see they're being playful there. And then uh, when when they sort of when when Umdo and her go out on a on a sort of date, they ride out on the on the purple motorcycle into the country, which mm. sort of rem- reminiscent of one of the scenes in the. Uh, in the original, and he's uh, he's messing around, joking, saying, "Well, we're going to have to stay here the night because uh, we're out of gas." And she just gets up and goes over to the motorcycle and shakes it while listening. <laughs> we're not out of gas. Don't you dare take me back to town. <laughs> yeah, she's not. Uh, she's not too shy. No, no. Yeah, I. It really is a wonderful film. It, it, there's a lot to look at in it as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, the lot of the scenery is quite interesting, and the, just the the whole sort of uh, the the way that it records uh, people's everyday lives. Yeah, you got some nice some nice scenes of just the city life. You got the you know the traffic yeah. on the road. You've got the the markets look great. Um, yeah, sort of little scenes. Well, I mean, we can let's let's do the plot real quick. Mm-hmm. If because there, it's almost like there is more of a plot here. Uh, so. Umdu arrives in Agadez. Um, uh, he's already a guitarist. He's written songs. He's uh, he, he arrives right after the opening titles and a little bit of hoo ha. Uh, he just sort of shows up with his guitar at a um, at a wedding celebration and says and, and just speaks to the guys on the stage saying, "Hey, I'm also a guitarist," and plugs in and plays. And this mm-hmm. is one of the this is one of the songs that appears on Ilana, the creator, in a different recording, an earlier recording. But um, and you know he doesn't have a band at this point, so his backing musicians just knew what to play. Yes, um, I was and, wondering about that. <laughs> that's the implausible part that I meant. So he makes a big impression there. Um, the 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 audience loves it. Uh, you know they're holding up their phones, making recordings, or like making mm. little videos and whatnot. So he starts uh, to get, it, get to get to know um, some of the other musicians in the town. Uh, one of whom is a uh, is turns into his rival and musical mm-hmm. enemy, Kader. Um, Kader, yes. And at this point, so the the first the first insult with Kader is uh, <laughs> a very funny scene where uh, Mdu has this. He's just got this sort of like it's like a. Um, Sergio Leone scene, right, where um, uh, where he's walking across a, a big open space in the in the city. It's a bit like a desert walk, but he's got his his performance costume on, uh, which is like have a the whole thing with the headdress and whatnot, yeah. um, and these striking guitar chords going on. Um, anyway, uh, he has this encounter with Cardell where. Carter uh, insultingly asks him to come and replace his rhythm guitarist in his own band, which is the throwdown. And this this sets up the the battle for the rest of the movie. Emdo finds some other musicians to uh, to play with, another guitarist and a drummer. 
or a couple of, uh, you know, a drummer, a couple of drummers. Well, he ends up with, often the way it works out, you've got a, on stage, you've got a kit drummer and, uh, and another mm-hmm. drummer. So they start rehearsing together and, and working on some music together. And one of the, uh, and somebody, I'm not sure who exactly makes the recording, but um, uh, did you follow well, this? That's the, exactly? guy, the guy who makes the tea. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the kid who makes the tea. Yeah. Uh, where uh, Emda's new band is just starting to rehearse, they he makes a secret. He secretly makes a recording of uh, of a song that Emda has written, and passes it on to Kardel and gets paid mm-hmm. for it. Um, mm. Eventually, yes. Well, holds out <laughs> his hand and want money, gets, and the third time he holds it out his hand for the money, he gets a show, shoe thrown at him. Yeah. Um, but Kardel then uh, learns this song. And invites Abdul to a picnic, where they're where they're going to you know hang out for a day and do some play some music and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Abdul shows up with uh, mm-hmm. his presumable girlfriend at this point. Yeah. Meantime, in the meantime, his dad back home has has found his guitar and burnt it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I'm skipping over the romance part and, and the yeah. uh, and the confrontation with the father. Yes, there's a scene early on where his father enters Amdu's mock, uh, bedroom, mm-hmm. where Amdu has hurriedly hidden his guitar, mm-hmm. uh, and then he lies to his father about not playing guitar. There's no guitar in here. I'm not playing mm-hmm. guitar. I'm just listening to the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, did you did you work out that um, he was he was running his guitar through the stereo? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which, so, I, I suppose that must be something that, you know, people do. Yeah. There, really. Yeah. It doesn't sound right, but, you know, no. it does work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, does, it has a very particular sound that just doesn't sound quite right. I mean, it's one of the things about the Mokhtar. He's got this fantastic guitar sound. It's just beautiful. Like. Mm. And then you hear it there, it just sounds all wrong. Mm. Um, so at this picnic, Carter. Mm-hmm plays to the assembled crowd there the song that he stole from Emdu. Emdu's very unhappy about this. And this is the uh, this is set up for the falling out with his girlfriend. Yeah. This is where uh, Emdu is too proud and too too focused on too, himself. Too, too much like his father. Yeah. Too, and, and, <laughs> and I guess too much like the kid from the original, right? Oh. Where he uh, he splits with his girlfriend over this. The girlfriend comes um, comes by and says, "You haven't answered my phone call. You left me there, and mm. you drove me out there in the countryside, and left me there. Uh, you mm. don't treat me like this." And, and she breaks up with him, and and so he's in he's in a bad mood, uh, kind of like the kid was, in, in about the same position in mm-hmm. the original. And there is a competition at the uh, Alliance Française. Yeah. Um, where there's going to be a battle of the guitars, sort of thing. There's, uh, I know, Kardar and um, uh, and Umdo are going to both perform. Mm-hmm. At which, uh, however, in order to replace the stolen song, well, not in order to, but uh, Umdo is is asked. Well, he discovers at home his father's notebook of poetry that must date back a long way and his mother explains to him that back then his father actually wrote songs for musicians and this all went this all turned sour when the guitarists who 
<laughs> played these mm-hmm. songs, all turned into drug addicts and alcoholics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Explaining the, um, the story that is, yeah. you know, when you think about all the famous guitarists and alcoholics, sorry, guitarists, the, the, the famous. And there's the horrible prediction part of this is like this, this story about alcoholics and drug addicts is, is what happened to Prince in the end. It's just so sad. Um, one year later after this movie was made, um, I guess we can talk about that later if we want. But so Emdu figures out a new song, writes a new song based on lyrics that he got from his father's notebook. Yeah. Um, and the, and the battle of the guitars happens at the end. Uh, the girlfriend whose name I've forgotten again, uh, uh shows up right here. And there is, and there is simply a, a very simple sort of triumphant ending because the Cardo band sounds absolutely terrible. They're out of tune. They can't really play properly together, and they've got the sound that you might get from just putting up a microphone in front of a, a stage like that. Whereas mm. the sound that they, the the, the music that we get for Emno Mokhtar's performance is a proper studio recording cut mm. to a live. Uh, Mm -hmm. to a a live recording so they sound fantastic and everything's together the father shows up and realizes that his lyrics are being used on stage there and he forgives his father and everybody's very happy with the music the uh, girlfriend shows up and there's a happy ending and it and it ends with the uh with emdu doing that exact pose that Prince does right at the end mm-hmm. of that striking pose that gets frozen yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the credits uh, at the end of Purple Rain. It's a it's a it's a friendly, fun little movie yeah. with with a lot of the uh, plot elements sort of worked in or substituted from the from the original, but mm-hmm. done in their hometown and yeah. and not and not just with uh, what but yes again done done with real you know with the real musicians and the real people I think that was in fact his father that played the part of the father yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might have been yeah. Um... Now, this, of course, is very interesting because, uh, as you pointed out, um, 
Prince died a, probably about a year or yeah. maybe a little bit more after this film. It was a spring came out. in the spring of um, 2016. Yeah, yeah. God. So that was, I mean, that was one of the uh, that's one of the thing, the questions I haven't been able to answer is: mm. Did Prince get is, to see this movie? Did he ever see it? Yeah, but we, uh, I've looked around some articles. There was an interview with uh, with with Mokdar when he said that. Uh, basically, if he had seen it, they hadn't had any response. Yeah. But um, but what also interested me is if anybody else ever came on the idea of of putting this together as a double bill, because the thing is that when um, when Purple Rain, uh, when when Prince uh, when Prince actually died, Purple Rain was back in the movie theaters. Yeah. It, it did actually get re-released, so that uh, that would have seemed like a golden opportunity to me, because the two films do go quite well together. <laughs> yeah, I think if 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 you're dealing with the, um, you know, the death of Prince, the situation might not be appropriate. You know, maybe not. Uh, but uh, but of course, the, the the my point was really the whole new generation of yeah. kids would have been introduced to that music and that new generation would i think be a little more open to uh to music from the sahel yes than the 80s would have been yes yeah uh yes i, I, I yeah i don't know I, I i have no idea but i mean you it, it's it it if you haven't seen purple rain you said like i made a, a point of watching it first hmm. um I think it sort of makes sense to follow the order we did them in here. The first yes. one, then, you know, because the uh, <laughs> the remake is a little bit confusing otherwise. Yeah, what, yeah, um, exactly. But so, yeah, and you know, and an actual movie double bill. If you're releasing this stuff, if you're doing a, a screen presentations um, after Prince has died as a as a uh, as a mm. tribute and commemoration, yet. He'd be top of the bill, wouldn't he? The other way around. Yeah, yeah, he would. Yeah, well, I think actually it would work quite well the other way around with an audience that had already seen yeah. Purple Rain. Yeah, but the one one of the things about the burst in sales and popularity and interest when somebody dies is that there's a new audience uh, mm. at that point. Um, yeah, you know, Prince, I'm sure, became uh, well known to uh, mm -hmm. to a younger generation. Um, at that point, yeah. But um, I, I would uh, like to pull put the uh, the call out to any uh, cinemas out there, any sort of sort of art movie houses that maybe you should actually. This is one double bill that you should maybe even think about putting on. Yeah. Well, then, <laughs> and maybe I, I don't know what. I honestly, I don't really understand what kind of an organisation Sahel Sound is. Um, yeah. Uh, but they, you know, I, I saw at one point a uh, a trailer for what looked like a documentary about Sahel Sound itself, um, and I decided not to, ah. not to pay for the uh, for the whole thing. But that was a while ago. Okay. Um, they're big on Bandcamp, which is a great way to sample uh, the music that the that they put out, yeah. and they put out a bunch of good stuff, really good stuff. Um, yeah. But as a movie production house, um, yeah, how do they distribute this? Does it is it available in the formats yeah. that movie houses can 
put out. How yeah, do they get it? Uh, was it was it maybe you know did they just send it around a few a, a few festivals or I don't know. Yeah, no, we don't know. So if you're out there and you know, then get in touch with us. Yeah. Yeah, or or get in touch with or and or um yes, and Sahel Sound. Yeah, mm-hmm. how how do we how do we get this better circulated? Because I found it a little difficult to get hold of. Yeah, we um that's definitely something we should try and do. Because it it is worth it. Hmm. Yeah, it's also well. I mean, one of the things I want to say about the music is that for um, for for one thing, the music um, touches me deeply, and I don't really understand why. There's mm-hmm. something there's something sort of very uh, emotionally poignant at the same time as hopeful, purposeful about this music. It's got. I mean, why do I like it? Because it's it it's psychedelic music of the highest order. I love this mm-hmm. kind of guitar sound. Um, always did. I love this kind of jam music. It's got the more electric driving songs. In fact, all of them are, have a, a, base, a, a, a fairly s- simple meter and then very complex overlaid um, yeah. uh, rhythms and counterpoints going on. Um, mm-hmm. Harmonically, it's very simple. Uh, a lot of the time you're just dealing with one chord. And then, mm. so it's kind of like the blues, except, you know, instead of that eight bar, thing that then has a little turnaround it's uh it's that can go on for a very long time uh while while the soloist is is playing uh and then a, a relatively simple bit of uh, a song or whatever um so yeah I, it's the kind of stuff that i can i find myself i can easily find get lost in anyway i i, I like that kind of music but it, it's there's something more here i mean i uh, can I don't know how many songs can move you to tears, but until uh, until this band, I started listening to this band, um, there was only one that would reliably do that for me. And it's I'm, I don't know if this is embarrassing or not, but do you remember the song by Monsoon called Ever So Lonely? It was a, it was a sort of a hit back in the 80s, I think. Oh, God, 80s. yeah. That's um, really good. Sheila Chandra. Huh. Uh, that can do it for me, um, and then there's a couple of couple of his songs that do it. But that was that it, it could do that back then in you know in two thousand two thousand one when I was listening to this stuff. I picked it up from one of the playlists that we had on Spinatron. Uh, there was something uh-huh. I think that was a technical support question that came up, and then here's this playlist, and I'm going through it and going, oh, let's check this out, see what it's like. It's really good. But the band, in another sense, functions like a uh, like a, like juke joint blues. Right, an electric blues band where mm-hmm. you've got a real thumping, simple, straightforward noise going on, the sort of thing that anybody can dance to. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're not seated, would be pretty hard not to dance to. So it's got that effect going on as well. So it's it's both sophisticated and easy at the same time, right? But mm-hmm. I think there's another element to this which is which is so powerful. Uh, for me, which is the the sense of social purpose that this music seems to represent. Um, ah. You know, it, it, it's a uh, it's an important thing for uh, for the, for the communities to have live music in their you know in their weddings and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and as a as a thing for the kids to do and having their own music which fuses together the, these these Western elements as well as 
elements from from their own culture and and yeah. from further east as well together with the the particular approach to singing that they use which is traditional from that part of the world mm-hmm. um there's it seems to me like this is this music has a vitality that in the decadent west we we seldom meet or you know or we've had, mm. we've met from time to time there was a vitality to the uh to the punk rock of the 80s and 90s the underground uh you know, mm-hmm. the so almost anarchist kind of stuff going on then but today i'm not sure where that's going on you know mm. we're we're sort of past it they on the other hand they've got a politically oh my god that's a really difficult situation um mm. i don't feel prepared to get into the complexities no. of, of uh, that although i've tried we, to read about it yeah exactly and uh, there is an article on the substack which yeah. uh would maybe bring you a little bit further if that is a rabbit hole that you would like to go down yeah well you know, suffice to say the the for some reason uh europe got rid of its um spheres of influence after the second world war except for france mm-hmm. which for some reason that was considered okay and polite to continue to do mm. but france, uh, france has really only kicked out of mali and burkina faso in the last couple of years and mm. their troops are now being moved to niger which is where the Mokhtar is mm. from um so what's going to happen there uh they've got real problems with uh with the climate system terrorists um and the fact that the uh the, the tuareg people don't particularly want to have a central government uh reigning over their um their nomadic life styles you know the tradition their their, their own traditions mm. so a lot of uh, a lot of factors going on there however you can still um join a community together with music and that's what they seem to do and i i, yeah. I think it's great yeah so so anyway i can listen to this stuff all day long yeah so I hope we've uh, we've managed to introduce our listeners to something a little bit new, something old and something new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't th- honestly. I don't think Emdo Mokhtar's all that. Um, uh, you know, I mean, he's pretty well known now. Uh, he's, he's yeah. Do, you know, got good good billing in a lot of festivals now. Um, yeah, and is a uh, you know very well regarded. I think. Mm-hmm. So good for him. And there's there's another. That's actually another uh, um, thing that's, that's quite cool to notice is that he's become quite a star and you know a guitar hero in the West in uh-huh. a band that sounds at times pretty hard rocking. Um, yeah. Uh, almost you know so sort of like viciously hard rocking occasionally. Um, yeah. But it seems like he's still very rooted with his um community back there and is a you know relatively conservative by western standards of guitar heroes uh kind of guy um and is keeping a you know a managing to make that um that connection with the west they being able to tour there and sell records there uh work for him without um without leaving behind uh what he grew up with. He's still young, so we've got plenty to see, you know, see what happens next. Yeah. I did make a playlist. Uh, At the moment, it's still only in uh, Amazon Music. 
Uh, you'll uh-huh. have a bit of time if you want. I can make a screenshot of that. Maybe I can share it. Okay. You know. But yeah. it should be pretty easy for you to find all the stuff in Spotify if you okay. want. Okay. Yeah. Or. Yeah, okay. Either that or YouTube. I, d- I don't know. Maybe put a YouTube playlist together. It's just so, so that people can skip through stuff, you know. <laughs> 